This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Shut up and sit down. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. I just wanted to take this time to thank everybody for sticking with us throughout this year. It's hard to believe that 2018 has come to a close. This is going to be the last episode for 2018. We're going to take a week break and then we'll be right back at it as we head down to ATA. 2019 hopefully has some big things in store for us. We're going to try to give you guys as much value as we can through our Patreon program. So you're going to hear us talk a lot about that as we go into 2019. Um, Patreon allows you guys that are listening out there that like what we're doing and and want to see us continue to do things, giveaways, things like that. It helps to support the show. We've got a few right now. And uh, if you haven't checked it out, please go over there and and take a look at it. There's not a whole lot over there right now, but uh, you can find a link on our website but that's the way that we're going to be be trying to bring as much as we can as we go into 2019. But I just want to thank everybody for all the support, everything that all the feedback that we've been getting. Everything has been super positive. And we've got a real fun episode today. We talk about antler point restrictions and a little bit about um, the way that hunting is going for the youth. It's John, Frank, and I, along with Wes Hansen from the Release Podcast. And we talk a lot about our thoughts on even the deer hunting community. So I hope you guys really enjoy it. Again, thanks so much for the support. And uh, if you haven't already, leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Follow us, follow along with us on Facebook and Instagram. And we're going to continue to do the best we can to put out the best product possible appreciate the hell out of every one of you thank you so much and can't wait to see what happens for 2019 
Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles. We're here today with uh, a full garage. We've got uh, Uncle Frank, John, and myself, and on the line we've got Wes Hansen from the Release Hunting Podcast, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, antler point restrictions, deer management type stuff. Um, uh, you know, I found Wes's podcast and they, they had posted a question or posed a question to the people on Instagram about what their thoughts were talking points on antler point restrictions. And um, that's something that we touch on here and there on our podcast, but it's always a fun debate. So um, I wanted to get in touch with them. You know, Wes had reached out to me to come on his podcast and, you know, we had another podcast the same day and it just didn't kind of work out. So um, I said, well, you know, we got to do this again. Um, So here we are. So how's things today, Wes? Good, man. It's uh it's early in the morning here on a Saturday, you know, but we gotta we gotta work our schedules out to get things going. But I wanna say uh thanks for having me on and the discussion and everything and you know, I enjoy what you guys are putting out there content wise and you know, I feel your pain as you guys are hunting in Michigan. <laughs> it's kind of almost the same story here in northeast Wisconsin with the quality of deer. Yeah, so so take us through like kind of your your podcast journey, what you guys are doing, and and what you've got going on over there, because it's 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 pretty exciting stuff over there as well. Yeah, so well, we're based here in Green Bay. Um, you think of Green Bay, obviously, everybody thinks of the Packers. Um, I'm literally five minutes north of Lambeau Field, and uh, it, Green Bay is a small town, small community, huge duck hunting. I mean, everybody hunts the Bay of Green Bay. It's almost like the mecca of duck hunting. And it's funny because I don't really get into duck hunting at all. But the deer hunting, we have tons of public land. And some of it's pretty good quality. A lot of good parcels, 40-acre, 80-acre, 60-acre, over 100-acre public land parcels. So plenty of opportunity for people to go out and bow hunt and you know, just get outdoors. There's a lot of upland hunters, uh, pheasant hunters, grouse hunters, and, you know, it's it's a small community. It's Green Bay is not big at all. You know, it literally takes me 15 minutes to drive from one side of Green Bay to the other, and you're through Green Bay. So, uh, you know, we're just, just a small little podcast trying to grow, you know, just like you guys starting out. This is a hobby. You know, this doesn't pay pay the bills at all it actually costs quite a bit of money and uh we're just having fun doing it awesome so tell us a little bit about so in michigan right now with our antler point restrictions our tags and uh everything like that so you can buy one tag for bow season or one tag for gun season if you buy those you can't hunt the other ones that's a a buck tag but they offer a combo license where you can shoot two bucks or two does during archery season depending on the unit and then all throughout the state it's broken up into a few different units with a few different sets of um, antler point restrictions and if you just buy one tag some of those antler restrictions don't apply Um, but on in all units um, outside of cwd areas and things like that um, with that combo license, that second tag has to be four on one side or better. Um, and so there's p- 
components for both sides of that. And I think that that's kind of what you guys are going through in Wisconsin. But I think one of the main differences is like when you're looking at Wisconsin, you guys have, you know, almost annually been in, say, the top 10 for big deer. And, and Michigan doesn't even fall onto that list. And I don't think people look at Michigan as a destination hunting state for for big deer. Um, so what's the tag situation like? And what do you guys have for antler point restrictions at this time over there? So in Wisconsin with the archery, it, it depends on, well, for all archery. So you get a buck tag and our zone, our unit. So I'm farmland zone too. So when I purchase a buck tag for my archery, automatically I get like four doe tags and which is fine. It's okay. But I don't know about you, but I'm not going to eat five deer a year. And that's just archery season. So for the rifle season, depending on your zone. So I like to gun hunt, which sounds completely stupid. Um, but that's where our camp is. That's where we have hunting camp in the Northwoods, which we call it, um, in the national forest years and years, they had a buck only, uh, it was actually North of highway 64. Um, you could only shoot a buck. There was no doe tags issue because they were trying to rebuild the herd. And I think it's working. This year was the first year that we as a hunting group, got to apply for doe tags on a lottery system and almost all of us got doe tags. So the opening day in Northern Wisconsin for, you know, gun season between all of us, we've seen over almost a hundred deer. So I think it's working, but I think the system's still screwed up. I think it needs a lot of work, needs a lot of improvement. I know down in Southern Wisconsin, like, the mecca of huge deer like Buffalo County and everything else. That's where a lot of that land is quality deer managed. So when this antler point restriction petition came out and I don't know who created it. Um, one of the guys on the podcast, Ian Justin, he, he actually reached out to the guy who started this and we're, we're trying to get him on. But this whole antler point restriction, when this came up in topic, there was a lot of people that were on board for it. There's a lot of signatures. Um, you know, people want it, but a lot of people don't. And the people that don't, I don't think fully understand what it can do for the quality of deer. So it's, it's one of those topics that I like to talk about. I like to push and just people need to get informed on it. So, you know, around here, I don't know how many years ago it was, they just started the antler point restriction for for certain counties or certain management units or whatever. And right. th those are areas where Frank and John had grown up hunting, you know, quite a bit. Frank, what, like back in the day, like in the 70s or, you know, when you were you coming up hunting outside of, you know, subsistence, <laughs> subsistence subsistence living right um you know where you were just <clears throat> shooting for to feed your family like literally right. um what was the climate as far as antler point and i have to get a picture of this i've taken it a couple times he has a wall of shame <laughs> is what we call it frank is the 
designated mutant slayer. <laughs> They're nine point palmated that would fit in like a, a half gallon milk jug, <laughs> like tiny little mutant racks. So that, that's yeah, another thing that weird, weird gene deer that can't grow to quality, but you know, they got the points, but they just, they don't have the, the value. Right. Right. So what was that like back then, Frank? Cause you didn't, you weren't too choosy. Well, I hunted a lot of different, different areas, you know, and, uh, I want I want to say one thing. I uh, we had some quality deer back then. I mean, you know, uh John's uh dad, my brother-in-law there. Uh he he he's killed some nice bucks. Johnny killed some nice bucks when, you know, when he was younger and and you know, I I've shot some decent bucks. And but the thing of it is like nowadays it looks like even with the antler point restrictions where we're hunting on public and this is all public land. This is not any private. Um I saw a ton of bucks this year that I couldn't shoot. You know what I mean? They just, they just, you know, you're letting them walk by, you're watching the meat, blah, blah, blah. Every day, it seemed like you'd go out and hunt. And uh, never saw, I saw one good buck, I guess, you know, finally figured he was an eight point and then screwed up on him. So, but uh, I I really think that, because uh, Adam and I discussed this pretty, pretty much the other day on the way to Detroit. And it was like, he said, what do you think? You know, is it is it doing what it's supposed to do? And I, and I, I had to think hard about this. And I, I can't honestly say that some of the spots, it is doing what it's supposed to do. You know, you're seeing a lot more bucks, but they aren't a very, very good quality. You know, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you know. Well, I think, I mean, the, the one spot up north mm-hmm. where we hunt, where it's been QDMA for quite a while. Yeah, it's been about what four years now. There's definitely Five. been some better bucks up there. Oh yeah, one of the one of the you know record books or possible was shot in one of the areas up there, but that's been going for quite quite some time. Right now down here, I mean the second when we when Adam was talking about the your second tag's got to be four or one right. four on one side or better. Well, so. 90% of the guys, especially during gun season, go out and they shoot the first three, four, three point, four point, five point, And then if they do shoot a, a buck that's four on one side, they tag it with their restricted tag first. Right. So that leaves it open for an, to shoot another small buck. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to quantify well, it right now. Yeah. And, and one of the other things, one of the talking points that I had said, you know, with talking with, with Frank here on the way over there was, so... John's brother killed a 140 up there before the antler point restrictions. And the the thing that stuck with me about that story is it was like the 20th or 25th buck that he had seen that year. He had been passing on these deer. So does it mean that the antler point restrictions are working or is it forcing guys to just pass on bucks so that they, like the deer are already out there. They just shoot the first thing and they don't. Right. They never see him. Right. And so it, that's one thing that's hard. So personally, and John brings up a good point there with the, you know, you can tag whatever you shoot first with. Either tag. Yeah. yeah. Now. Right. How how long ago was it and what was the, the change that happened with the, the Ernebuck system in Wisconsin? Because I thought that was a really cool concept. And that might be almost something better as far as that the two tag system here in, in Michigan is that if you shot a small buck or after you shot your first buck, 
you registered it and then you were allowed to buy another tag or something like that because that would eliminate shooting that big buck first and then shooting a small buck second. How did the earn a buck thing work there? So the earn a buck program, and I remember I was I was in my younger years and still you know hunting with my dad and sitting in the ground blind with my dad and you know just the deer herd was not it wasn't healthy uh, especially in northern wisconsin it just it wasn't there and they were figuring let's kill off all the does and this is going to help the buck herd which was the complete opposite i mean you really think about it i think at the time our governor was tommy thompson and i don't know if the funding a lot of the thing had a lot of the things with the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources, the funding is getting cut. And we have a new governor again. So Scott Walker got booted this last election. Um, he was doing an okay job, but not the best. But now we're bringing in a new governor. I'm worried that the budget's going to get cut again. And the whole earn a buck, getting back to it, I think it was a good idea, a good concept. It just wasn't right for the state. And I'm glad it's gone away. But the problem we have is we are chasing these deer, pressuring these deer. Like right now we have a holiday hunt. Like we have so many hunts that they create and we're just pressuring these deer. They don't have time to settle down. And by by the time late bow season hits, I mean, these deer are so pressured, they're gone. I mean, it's just, it's not good quality hunting up here in this area that I think we need to restructure everything. I, I truly do. I think we need to look at other states the way other states are handling things like Iowa and, you know, Minnesota is doing a really good job on what they're doing, but we're just, we're pressuring these deer too much. They're, they're trying to make money off of selling tags, but the problem is our cost for an out-of-state tag is, it's not expensive. I mean, you look at putting in preference points to get an Iowa tag years and years, and you're spending all that money. That's all going in the, the their Department of Natural Resources. We're not charging much. So for you guys to come over here to Wisconsin and go bow hunt or gun hunt or do you want, it's, it's cheap. I mean, in reality, it's cheap to do. It's cheap state to hunt in. Why wouldn't you hunt Wisconsin? Well, so for, for all of our uh, Michigan listeners, this is an advertisement for cheap hunts in Wisconsin. Uh. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine. I'm not one of those guys because you hear a lot of it of all those freaking you know, Illinois bastard coming up here and shooting our big deer. And, you know, it's like, yeah, but we also go to Missouri. We go to North Dakota. We go, you know, Ohio. We hunt in other states as well. So I'm I'm totally okay with other people coming in and hunting the state of Wisconsin. That's great. It's bringing revenue in, everything else. But the problem is, you're not taking us as a state. We're not taking advantage of out of state hunters, just like these other states are. Right. Is it, is it over the counter for a non-resident? It is. Yeah. Yes. 
another thing, another question I have on this antler point restriction that they're, that they're proposing or whatever, is that is that going to be statewide or is it going to be limited to certain certain counties or how how are they? Uh... So the, the details on this, I've I've dug into this quite a bit because I'm actually pretty passionate about this and I'm really pushing for it. Um, there is no structure to it right now. And the thing is, what I would like to see done is you can't do this for the whole state. And I would like to see the antler point restriction get completely yanked when it comes to the youth hunt. Um, because I think when you are a youth and you're youth hunting and you're bringing your 10 year old kid out and you get a fork, you know, a fork or a small six pointer or whatever, walk out. And that's the deer your son or daughter wants to shoot as it's, you know, your kid's first deer. Go ahead. There is no restriction when it comes to you. Um, certain counties, northern Wisconsin, we have a heavily, heavily populated predator. Um, the coyotes, the wolves, the bears, you know, Adam, I know you, you guys hunt in the UP, which is, you know, a skip, skipping a stone across the pond from green bay the wolves up there are absolutely insane uh i have family that has land in the up and every time they go out they're crossing wolf tracks bear tracks you know they see coyotes every single time they're out so the deer herd up there absolutely sucks and you really in, in colonies like that you can't have an antler point restriction because i mean the deer herd's just it's not there so in certain counties, I think you can manage it. You can skip around it. But in uh, counties that you know there's quality deer, absolutely. I think the antler point restriction should be looked at. Um, I think it's going to help with the quality of deer. And Wisconsin is known as having big deer, but it's not like Ohio. It's not like Iowa or Kansas. It can get that way. But we just kind of have to, you know, deal with it and let these small bucks grow and breed and get bigger and pass their genes on. And I think in a few years, if this goes through, you're going to see the quality of deer, like in Iowa or Kansas. It, I really, truly believe it can get there. So this is one thing, and I don't want this to come off the wrong way. Cause, but Frank and I kind of had this same conversation. And, and so our, um, our youth season is like September 15th and they can shoot, right. shoot whatever they want. But a lot of times what happens or the bitch of it is, is that, you know, a lot of these guys take their kids out on these deer that are still on summer patterns. They go out and they can shoot. They, what, they end up shooting the biggest buck of their life on the easiest hunt of their life with these unpressured deer. Um, and then you've got guys right. that are bitching saying, well, it's not fair, just the dad killed them or, or whatever. And it, it yep. sounds like a, a, a poor me, like it's not fair. Right. You know, why did he get to shoot him and I don't? And I think that takes away from a lot of the the actual hunting. You know, hunting numbers, hunter numbers are down, hunter recruitment is down. Um, there, right. you know, there's a lot of bad things going on and what with this antler point restriction, are we saying like the reason that we want it is because it's poor me. We want to shoot big bucks. It isn't fair. 
where's all the big deer at, blah, 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 blah. And that's one of the things that, like, I, I'm very, very torn about. I know that you're a big proponent about it, and everybody wants to shoot big deer. But in reality, what the fuck does it matter? Like, for us as bow hunters, and Frank's been drumming this into my head forever, and John's been, you know, he was brought up only shooting bucks, and it was little buck, didn't matter anything, you know, that every deer is a trophy, you know, and especially with a bow. Personally, I think a one buck system like they have in Ohio, you know, you used Ohio as a good example as far as deer management and quality deer, they shoot one deer. So you send that kid out there to shoot whatever buck he wants to, and he's happy, but it's on this level playing field as everyone else. You know, the, the guy who's on his last hunt, you know, of his lifetime, it's, it's, he's going out on his, why are you looking at me? (laughs) You know, every day, every day is a struggle with you, you know, (laughs) but you know, you, you send him out there and then he shoots, you know, whatever he wants, register the deer, give him, you know, as many doe tags as the herd will, will allow. And, you know, sometimes the, the antler point restriction seems like a, a bitch fest because of, and I think a lot of it has to do, you know, with social media and things like that. Now you're seeing everybody shoot. And it's like everybody I know shot a 140 class fucking buck. And it's like, that's not fair. Right. Poor me. You know, well, how do we do it? Uh, blah, 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 blah. And it's like. So I want to, <laughs> I want to touch on something quick with, with the youth hunt, uh, my son is five years old and he's been out hunting several times with me now. And I'm just trying, I'm trying to teach him the right way. You know, we've had several, you know, sitting in a ground blind. I, I got my bow, you know, those walk out 15 yards in front and I don't shoot them. You know, I just want my, my son to experience seeing a deer walk out right in front of him and get that kind of exposure of, all right, you know, this is, this is what it's like. This is what it's like having deer come out in front of you. And I actually had my son ask me on our way home, you know, dad, why, why didn't you shoot that deer? And I told him, why do I have to? I didn't, I didn't need to meet. I don't just go out there just to shoot deer, just to shoot them. You know, I, I really want him to be exposed to a really, really good experience. I want him to learn the right way. And when it comes to right, when it, when it comes to the youth season, you know, and these kids are dropping uh, 140, 150, 160 inch deer and everybody's getting pissed off. Well, I'm not really getting pissed, but if I was a parent, me personally, and a deer that caliber walked out in my son's first youth hunt, I'm sorry, but I really don't think as a child that should be your first year because from then on out, what are your expectations? Yeah, your standards are, you know, how can you better yourself sometime? Well, that's exactly, I've I've said this before. It's like you're setting, it's, there's a fine balance. It's like you're setting them up for failure because if you, if you go out in that youth hunt, it's super easy. You walk out with your juice box and sit in the blind. Some of these kids have never been in the woods. Like you're saying that you bring your kid out, your son out, and he's he's experienced it. Now I I know right. that there's I don't I don't know what the percentage is, but I know there's a lot of kids that have never even been out in the woods 
especially here in Michigan, their dads, you know, got these deer, you know, down. Kids never been out there. They bring them out there on youth hunt, put a gun in their hand, bam, they shoot this 150-inch buck. They take their pictures and stuff. And there's some kids that never even go back out again. Yeah. And then the kids that Absolutely. do, the kids that do are getting set. They're like, oh, that was, let's go kill this big buck, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, then they go out to the real season, the real life, and it's like, then they're frustrated. Like, oh, hunting sucks. So yeah. it's you're doing so it the Frank, right way. But yeah. some of these guys Frank, wa- use it for the wrong reasons. I want I want to ask Frank a question uh, since, you know, he's he's been around hunting a lot longer than all of us. What what is your thoughts on actually with the way the hunting industry has become from what it was with the hunting shows and you know now literally streaming like right now because of you guys I, I've been watching the hunting public um, it, the access to it and then all you're watching is all these huge deer hit the ground and all these shows they're not showing the the negative side of things you know everything's always positive nobody really ever has a bad hunt you know it's I think me personally I think with the way the industry is going, the way it's leading is bringing a really negative effect on a lot of people's outlooks on what your expectations are when you hit the woods. Well, they, I, I mean, I think, I think that changed a lot of it. A lot of people's mindset on what you expect when you're out hunting. Was it like that years ago? I mean, before all these shows? Um, not really because you know, the, we hunted, we hunted uh, basically, though, for, for food a lot, you know, when we were younger. But then, you know, it changed, you know, and we, and we, we, we buck hunted, you know, and, and we shot some good bucks. But you learned from, just like you're teaching your son, you learned from your elders, but you were in the woods. You, you learned what deer tracks are. You learned what the rubs were, scrapes were, you know, uh, how, to, how to find, you know, the food sources, you know, and stuff. Yeah. These kids today, I don't think, are getting that opportunity, you know, with so much of this, the, the way they're hunting now. Uh, and I, I think that's that's being missed, you know, by, you know, uh, these relationships. That's uh, Yeah, and to get to answer part of that, too, is I understand what you're saying about the, the social media and stuff. Like, it's kind of overwhelming. Everything you look at, it's big buck, big buck. It makes it look so easy. The, the hunting public does, they do a good job. I mean, they show, they, they don't, I mean, they've shot some smaller bucks, you know, just. Oh, absolutely. They yeah. are, they're um, watching them. They are showing the negative side of things. Right. You know, absolutely. sitting in a tree stand on public land and having a guy walk up in a neon green shirt. <laughs> right. You know. Well, yeah. It, it just makes me like, this, this is reality. This is public land. This is the shit that really happens. Like. When people are out there, it's it's no joke. Like public land is is not a two hundred acre managed property. Like people exactly. that hunt public land, they earn it. Well, one of the things that I've learned through this whole process, and I've said it before, but like you know, at, at some point, like growing up, like private land was a, a class system, right? So it was like that guy can hunt on 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 private land. He's got a farm, and you know he can he can do this. You know, following along with 
you know, a lot of these guys like the hunting public and, you know, when we were elk hunting with the born and raised, it's like a lot, sometimes there's a lot more pressure on private land because everybody swarms to this piece of private land that you've got to hunt, you know, and like you said, yep. your, your camp has, you know, nine or 10 guys in it. And if you put nine or 10 guys on 200 acres, well, that, that that's a lot more pressured than most of the public land. You know, you might have a guy walk by you or whatever, but they're not stacked up on you like, like that. And one of the episodes and one of the things I didn't really ever like understand, like I knew that Michigan had like a pretty like serious hunting, you know, population and, you know, public land and gun season and everything like that. Um, watching that episode of the hunting public where Jake is at his family's property and like, he's showing the neighbor, like you can see the neighbor, you can see everybody like in his hunting camp and like, it's just gunfire everywhere. Like they see a deer, like the neighbor shoots it and walks onto the, you know, <laughs> right out in front of him and grabs it. It's like, you know, that is some serious hunting pressure, like in Wisconsin. Right. <laughs> That's it's just and it's crazy. Heavy pressure. I mean, up here it's, there's a lot of pressure this year. Actually the numbers, for hunters in Wisconsin were down, but the number of deer harvested was up for our gun season, which I'm still trying to figure out how that is, but it's, uh, I think it's just less people wanting to spend the money. And I think less out of state people were up here this year. I am trying to figure out, trying to get the numbers on, how many out-of-state tags were purchased. Can, can but, I ask you a question about this? Uh, do they, do you have to register your deer in Wisconsin when once they're, once they're killed? Yeah, so that's another thing that is a sore point with me. We got rid of our registration stations, which I missed just for the social factor of when I was a kid. We didn't see shit for deer. I mean, you see a deer, that's great. Um but always on like a lunch break, you know, you come out of the woods at 1130. My dad would take me to the next gas station and we'd sit there and look at all the bucks and, you know, at least you're seeing that way you're seeing something. My dad's trying to show me like, Hey, look at this buck. Look at this buck. We got rid of that. Well, everything is mobile now. So when you shoot a deer, you have 48 hours to register it. And it's just literally on a mobile app. And I don't know how many people, I'm sure there's tons of people that do it. I have friends that process deer mm -hmm. and obviously with their business processing deer, taxidermist, you got to have that registration number to even do anything. But a lot of people that process their own deer, a lot of people that, you know, have these farms and I'm not saying everybody does it, but. So is it a phone in then? I've, you can call it in, or you can just log into a website. And oh, register. okay, okay. Because Ohio, we, we, I, we phone in down there. Yep, I think a lot of it. I mean, a lot of people don't even bother doing it. I think a lot of deer are harvested and not registered. Well, that's very possible. But it's a, it's a, it's a just, million times so better than Michigan. Do it. You know, Michigan right. doesn't have anything. Michigan so. doesn't have that. That's what, that's the whole sore point. Remember, we were talking to the the dude over there last year. And it's like, I said, how do you how do you know this many deer were killed, or you know, and where they were killed? Right. Oh, and he and he comes up with this. Uh, well, he was talking about uh, processors and stuff too. Mm -hmm. That that's a certain percentage. Come on, you know. 
down in Ohio, down in Ohio, you can go county to county and know exactly how many bucks were harvested, how many does were harvested. You know that that were that were called in. That were called. You know. I mean, it's the, the systems aren't perfect, no. but when we look at Ohio, I mean, we've compared it before. It's like for the most part, any especially out of state hunters or the guys that are legit. There's always going to be some poachers or right. you know guys that are are you know right want to break the law or whatever don't want to follow the rules they're not going to call them in but I'm not going to risk if, say like when we're in Ohio and we shoot a deer we're I'm not risking not calling it in and right. driving right and I wouldn't do that here in Michigan either say if I'm up two hours north of here and I shoot my deer I'm going to call it in well hell I yeah. shot that deer in the CWD zone got drunk brought it home and was like holy shit i forgot i was supposed to take this back to the thing so i loaded the deer back up and i called the dnr and said hey, what do i do and he said oh you got 48 hours no problem take it back so that's what i did right you know because so, i wasn't gonna risk it i think it's i mean there's you're gonna have a margin of error because people sure. aren't gonna call it in but it's much better than what exactly. we have now exactly we but don't have we don't because have they do a survey or whatever and they send out a survey i think on over the phone or or in mail, you get a letter too. You get a letter. I've, I've, I've never got one in I've, all the I've, years I've, I've hunted. gotten a couple. And so, you know, and so you've hunted for how many years? Well, I'm 66. Right. I've hunted ever since I was a kid. You right. Know? And so I've hunted ever since I was a kid. So, but in all that, in all that, so you know, between us, we've killed. Well, with our group, we killed four deer. One was checked in. And that that deer is at the taxidermist, but the other ones we just caught up ourselves. So those would not. Those when you know, there's no registration that I have to. I have to call my deer in. You know, but if there was a system, we'd definitely be calling. Oh, exactly. So it'd give it a lot, a lot more credibility, credibility to the system, right? And the numbers, right? I I think it just needs to get more strict. On I wish the registration stations would come back. I think. I think for the exposure of uh, just the experience for our youth seeing deer, because it, it made an impact on me as a kid when my dad would bring me there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me seeing these giant bucks in the back. Like, when I left that registration station, you know, stopping at gas station, getting a soda and a sandwich, and heading back out, after seeing all these deer at the registration station, I was so amped up to go back hunting you know nine ten years old i see these giant deer and it's like i gotta go get one you know like i wanted to get back in the woods like seeing the closest thing to that here was was buck poles at at certain places you know they would have a way in you know Uh, but it was still it wasn't a registration you know yeah i think that's a really interesting like uh like point that you make or like because honestly you know we I'd say 90% of the deer that I've killed in my life came from the UP. And, you know, we were always up there for a week, driving back, and then there was deer checking stations where you'd get your successful deer patch. And I don't know why, um, but it's like for you, the experience was always like a positive experience. Like, oh, this is so cool and blah, 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 blah. For me, and, you know, it wasn't like we were doing anything wrong. But it, for me, it was always like, well, the DNR just want to get you on something. So why would you stop if you didn't have to? And and that's even the way that I was like this year. I was like, 
fuck. Like I forgot. I got to take this deer and like, they're going to take it from me. Like I left the County, like, I, and, but it's just, it, it couldn't be any, you know, it's 180 degrees off of like right. my thought process. Yep. And like I said, it wasn't like we were doing anything wrong or anything like that, but it was just always, that was like always the thought process. Like the DNR weren't helpful. No, they did have like that, that check station that you went to mm-hmm. that was out by and the Mesquite State game area. Yeah. They did have that on the news this year. Like a, a bunch of guys were checking in their box and seen some nice book box on TV. I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, obviously go out there, but and there was kids there checking them out. So it's kind of like what you were saying, you know, bring the kids, get them exposed to it, and oh. get them amped up for it. Oh yeah, and I brought my daughter. You know, she was with me when we when she was like, we got to look at my daddy's deer, and they gave her a pencil and the, the <laughs> a patch and the whole the whole works, you know. And so it was a good experience for her at three years old. And there were duck hunters that were giving her tail feathers and she was touching the ducks and like, it was, it was a good experience, yeah, but it, it, it was, I, I wasn't think, like in my mind that way. So with, with our hunting numbers, obviously hunters are declining and everything else. The whole push for the antler restriction, I, I guess kind of getting back to it. A lot of it has to do with our youth. Like I want my son to have the best hunting experience out there when he starts hunting honestly i'm probably going to be hunting a lot less for me and a lot more for him so when i can get out and get out i'll get out i'm not worried about me i i shot the biggest deer of my life this year and i'm happy with that i'm i'm totally content if i shoot another deer that caliber i'll be i'll be thrilled if not i'm not worried about it i want him to experience the best all around everything. Youth hunt, bow hunting, I want to get him, you know, I just got him his first bow. He started shooting this year. I want him to be able to have fun. I want him to be able to go out in the woods and see multiple deer and not cost an arm and a leg to lease land, to be able to go out on public land and expect to see deer. You know, we see spikes and you know, four pointers, not where the public land now people blast everything and people say, no, you know, I pass it up. That's great. I can pass it for four pointer on public land. That thing can walk hundred yards and I'll hear a gunshot. And I know that deer didn't make it. It just, that's where that comes in. Another question for you. You Say your son's bow hunting then now. Right. How would you feel about him taking a doe as his first deer? If that's what he wants to have in his first year, that's going to be completely up to him. Because that's a conversation. I'll be very honest with you. I know for a fact that when when they shoot their first year, it doesn't matter what it is, <laughs> man. I mean, they're amped. You know, yep. they're going to be amped. You know, and 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 like I, I've I've always told these guys, you know, well, <laughs> I used to tell them, <laughs> get one under your belt. You know. Get one under your yep. belt, and then and then you can do what you want, you know? I want to leave that up to him. I want to have that. He's he's not mature of age yet to mm-hmm. understand fully. Right. Where when he's seven, eight years old, and he kind of, he's he's getting it right now. I guess I, I'm, I'm trying to teach him at a rapid rate about hunting and about everything else, but he's just five. He's still, you know. Right. He, he's worried about Legos. Right. <laughs> so, you know. 
Go ahead. I want him to be able to make that decision because it's not just shooting a deer. You're taking an animal's life. Right. Like this is, we are going to shoot this animal. We're going to go home. We're going to sit in the garage. We're going to cut it up. I'm going to make him cut his first deer up. I'm going to help him. I'm not just going to hand him a knife and say, there you go, cut it up. But I want him to know everything that goes into it. I think every kid that hunts needs to know how to gut a deer, process a deer, you know, all the steps. Mm -hmm. So when you let your release go, pull the trigger on a gun and you're shooting something and it's your kid shooting it, but you're doing everything for your kid. That kid's not learning shit. Right. Right. That kid's not learning respect. You know, that's where all of this kind of joins together where our youth, like we're losing our hunting, like our public lands are diminishing. Uh, our hunting numbers are declining. Well, because parents and other people, and I don't, this is probably going to piss a lot of people off. I really don't give a shit, but we're not, teaching our kids the proper way. We're not doing any justice for our youth and our hunters because you know what? They are the next in line to take over our public lands and, you know, keep numbers going, keep our quality deer managed. And I, I really think that's a problem. I think the parents that are teaching these kids, a lot of them are teaching them the wrong way. What, it, you know, all the values of, Oh, you got to shoot a big buck. You got to shoot a big buck. No, you don't. No, not for your first year. No, no. And so that's you're you're talking about that. My son just turned fifteen in October, and so I've been, the last you know three four years is I've pretty much been focused just on his. Son. I didn't take the trip up north or go to Ohio or anything because I've been trying to focus on getting him some time in the woods, and he's busy with sports and stuff, but. It, he loves the, he loves shooting his bow, and we you know we we got some opportunities this fall. He's seen some deer, but I'm like, well, we can get the gun out and try to you know kill one with our gun. He's like, no, Dad. Well, how about I just bow hunt with my gun or bow hunt during gun season? Because he don't even it's not about just killing the deer with it with his gun. It's about getting out there and doing it, getting it done with his bow and the you know getting close and that whole, the whole process of bow hunting. But I mean, it, he definitely gets frustrated. Like <laughs> there's been a couple hunts where he's like, you know, and he had, he had does come in and got busted. I'm like, that's awesome. You know, that's, that's what it's about. And he could have shot a little doe. Oh, he was calling it the dog deer. I'm like, well, you, he's like, no dad, I'm not shooting a, a deer the same size as our dog. <laughs> and so, it's, it's good and that's for the amazing year. that he realizes that and knows that because that's the whole thing with my son. Like, I want him to bow hunt. Like, I want him to bow hunt before he gun hunts. Yeah, absolutely. Because anybody can shoot a deer with a gun. Exactly. Harvesting a deer with a bow, that is a lot of homework. It's a lot of time. It's frustrating. It's one of the hardest things you can do. I mean, the white-tailed deer, obviously, we've all been doing it. It's not easy. Nope. You know, <laughs> it's it, it just one of those things I think all kids should get a bow in their hands and just start shooting, learning to hunt. And anybody, like I said, 
our age limit, they eliminated it. I, I got a baby on the way. Once my kid's born next year, I can buy legally buy a tag for a newborn child. <laughs> and wow. somebody actually did it in Wisconsin last year, registered a deer and said their two-year-old harvested it. Oh, God. I don't know. My daughter, I think she's going to be a killer. Well, she's three, man. I'll tell you, she's, <laughs> yeah, I think she but could, that's like she the could, whole point. Yeah. She could, you can bring her out and have her pull the trigger oh, yeah. on something. That, right. But yeah, that's a, yeah, I don't agree with so, that. We have the apprentice program yeah, here right. in Michigan now. Yeah, so you got to be within within X amount of feet of them or whatever. And uh, there is like a little bit of, and I, I'm not overly familiar with it, but I know there was a difference between public land and private, private land, like whether what the age was. And I think they were trying to get away from that because it kind of. And let the privilege. Uh, let, yeah, basically. there was that. But. When he was talking about, you know, what are you going to let him shoot for the first deer and, um, you know, buck versus doe and stuff like that. John, you can kind of speak to that because you were brought up hunting in a whole nother. Yeah, well, my dad was completely against shooting does. Yeah. And so it didn't matter. Same it, as my dad. It had to that have was horns. my family. Yeah, it had to have horns. It's like, well, shoot a spike horn. I'm like, and I mean, it took years. I mean, I flung a lot of arrows, <laughs> <laughs> you know, shot some trees. That's the experience. And, so. <laughs> you know, yeah. And then. Finally, you know, I, I killed some deer and stuff. And then when I, I mean, I was a, I think I was, I was close to, I was 19, I think, when I shot a doe finally with my bow. Yeah. And did my, you get yelled at? Oh, and I still, my dad was like, what the fuck did you do that for? I'm like, because it's <laughs> yep. good for the herd, dad. <laughs> like, and they eat good. Uh, you know, I was like, I need some venison. <laughs> and oh, yeah, he was still pissed off. Oh, God damn it. Why are you shooting a doe? <laughs> Come on, so, but we went. We didn't bait, you know. That was the one thing with, you know. I grew up. One of my my best friends who was just here. He, you know, he grew up the opposite way. He grew up baiting. You know, yeah. I remember that there was times we'd I'd go with him and we'd go up to the the feed station or the up by the farms and get a whole truckload of carrots and drive it out to the woods and shovel it out. I mean, back up to the bait pile, shovel it out in the woods, and and I'm like. Dude, you're never, I mean, you see some deer, but you're never going to kill a big buck. I mean, you might, but you have better odds shooting a big buck when you're, when he has no clue. You know, them big bucks are going to come in. They're going to come in after dark. I mean, and that was just the experience as a kid. You know, nowadays, I mean, now we know that for sure. I mean, we're not going to kill a big mature buck. Well, that's what you, you know, they posed a question, you know, they're going to, they're going to end baiting in the, in the lower peninsula next year. After the first of the year, you can't bait in Michigan in the Lower Peninsula anymore, and it's all CWD, right. which well, is a problem. That's what they're that's what they're looking at. But the pro the, here's the thing: these guys, you know, that that bait, they're still there were still people baiting in Muskegon County, you know, uh, this year, and they weren't supposed to. Yeah. But absolutely, uh, I, the, I, I've been uh, on public land and seen corn walk past corn piles, pumpkins, oh, yeah. apples, and it's a it's a no bait CWD zone. And people are still going to do it. And I don't know. I've had this deep discussion with several people in the industry about CWD and baiting and everything else that a lot of people say it's just a money grab. And some of our zones, I don't know how it is for you guys in Michigan, but a lot of our CWD comes from game farms. When there's a game farm in a county and there's a positive 
TWD deer, that whole county gets shut down. It gets banned for baiting. Yeah. And it's like, it came from a fucking game farm, (laughs) you know, like this is not a deer harvested on public land, on private land or anything. It came, it died. It was harvested on a game farm, right? A fenced in high fence game farm. That whole county gets shut down and all the surrounding counties around it. Yeah. That's kind of like what I think the first one in Michigan was on a game farm. And then they had a few others like so up in the in the UP where we're at, actually, it's like four miles north of our camp is the the line between Menominee and Dickinson County. And in Dickinson County, they found a deer that was hit by a car that they tested and it had CWD. Now, I don't know that's, what what there that's is. All or my fa- that's my whole family is Dickinson County. So mm-hmm. I know exactly. My uncle is a taxidermist for many, many years. Okay. And uh, yeah, I'm so that- very, very familiar with that whole area and the baiting and everything up there. Yeah, that, that opens up like a whole nother hour discussion of right how, oh, mich- you know, the UP absolutely. is managed everything. Oh, yeah. And that's what, you know, you know Frank said, that, you know, they're, they're shutting it down for the lower peninsula. Well, I think they just didn't want to take on that fight because I think the UP is a whole nother animal as far as like the, the baiting, the deer hunting culture that is up there. Yep. And it's probably a lot. I think that, they, you know, in this world of snowflakes and bullshit, like I think that the UP identifies as Wisconsin. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. So, well, so, let me ask you this question. Okay. Uh, we, we are teaching our kids to hunt deer ethically and and you know and and then when they can when they can bait you know they they tried to close this baiting down a few years ago remember that you guys Mm -hmm. and and the the question posed uh from some of these hunters is is well how how will we hunt what will we do you know and and i'm looking at them going what do you mean what will you do you know how will you hunt you, you actually hunt. Yeah, you'll have to go out and look for sign. You'll have to figure out pinch points and, you know, how to you know, play the wind, you know, or whatever, you know. Natural food source. Yeah, mass crop. yeah, man, mass crop. I mean, what, I don't get it, you know. They they think if they can't put a bait pile out there, they can't shoot a deer, you know. They're not going to, they're, they're not going to hunt. How I grew up hunting with my dad from child on, and I look at it now, and I still tell my dad this. I tell my dad he was an idiot because <laughs> my dad quit. My dad quit hunting, and it took me to get around my friend, who I hunt with, literally solely hunt with. He literally had to teach me like I was a kid again how to hunt, and I didn't hunt wind. I sat in the same spot, the same tree year after year after year with the same corn pile, you know, and I didn't see shit. And same thing with my dad. And after a while, my dad just got pissed and he said, you know what? I'm done hunting. There's no deer up here and I'm not sitting in the woods freezing. And so when my dad quit, I didn't, I really didn't hunt. And, you know, me and Adam had the conversation. I, I joined the Marines. I was in the Marines for a long time. I didn't hunt for a long time until I came back home. And you know what? I picked up a bull and I got back into it. 
but I surrounded myself with people that were successful and harvest mature bucks year after year. And I just picked their brains and I'm still learning. I learn every single day. And that's the thing that people need to, you can't just go out in the woods and expect to shoot a deer right away. Like you got to do your homework. That's where I'm getting more into like you guys with the public land. Mm -hmm. I have access to multiple private spots, which is great, but it's the challenge. Now I'm chasing a challenge. I go out not expecting to shoot a deer. I'm going out expecting to see deer, right. see sign, right. and learn from that. Exactly. Let me ask I'll you take, another I'll question. Take that. Yeah. Okay. These the the guys that are killing these these uh, these big bucks on TV, all these these hunts that you know on these farms in Illinois and you know, Iowa, you know, and everywhere else. Bring them, bring them to Michigan or Wisconsin public land and say okay boys you know here's your here's your your area you know go to it kill a 150 wait yeah. there's no 150 in there <laughs> you know what i'm saying what how would, what would their success rate ratio be you think as compared to, to hunting their other their other deals well i'm going to guarantee you i mean for example so my cousin lives in detroit mm-hmm. and he hunts in ohio he's got access to a 1200 acre farm I think him and only one other guy hunt this farm in Ohio. This year, he has passed over 15, 140-inch-plus mm-hmm. deer. Oh, yeah. And he does that for a reason, because he knows there's a larger caliber buck that he's after. He's to the point where, I'm sorry, but I see a mature 130, 140. I'm going to shoot it. Absolutely. But when you have that quality of deer you're able to do it. Now, he's from the UP. He's from, you know, Dickinson County. He knows what the UP is and what it used to be and what it still is today. It's declined. I mean, it's the UP is in a horrible state for your hunting. He will never bow hunt that probably ever because are you going to keep hunting? You know, why would he make the trek up to the UP to chase after something he knows that's not there well and that's one of the things that we've we've done the same things like that's we were going to ohio and it's a shorter drive than it is to get to our camp and there's a trade-off between that nostalgia and that hunting camp type thing um and you know there's something to be said to to be able to wake up walk out you know we are i mean we were getting up at three in the morning driving two hours you know hunting all day getting home eating dinner at 10 o'clock and getting up at three again when, when we were in Ohio. Yeah. And, you know, so to, right. to be able to come in and have a beer or two beers or 10 and <laughs> sit there and, and cook dinner and, and have a, an actual hunting camp, you know, it, it, it all depends on that. What is it that you're chasing? Right. Yeah, so if you, it's, what do you want? If it's antlers, What's you know, the then you could go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's hard. We, we hunt our hunting camp. So, like I said, we we have, you know, access to property down here and private land and everything, but we still go to northern Wisconsin, which the quality deer is not there. And we still do it knowing that it's a tradition. It's hunting camp. It's going to the bar. Uh, you know, 
playing cards, playing pool, just the whole camaraderie of everybody in hunting camp. And we had guys shooting spikes and forks and, you know, several of the guys aren't avid deer hunters. They just go up to deer camp. We just had, uh, so one of our friends shot his very first buck and it was a small buck, but you know, it was high fives, congratulations, celebrating with beer, everything else. And I would like to see the quality of the deer up there just improve. That's all I want is I would love to see people pass, like see a fork and go, Hey, next year you might be a little bit bigger. Right. And I understand, I get it. People aren't there to hunt trophies. People want, you know, shoot a deer, meet in the freezer, feed your family. Mm -hmm. But if we could just somehow, some way save some of these bucks to give them chance, any chance possible, would you rather, I want to pose this question to all you guys, would you rather harvest a young buck or a mature buck? It doesn't matter. I mean, honestly, it's the, the, the way that that question is posed is the odd one. Um, it just in a sense of like, so after, uh, we talked the other night and, uh, I don't know if you saw, I tagged you in a post. There was an eight and a half year old spike that was killed in Texas, you know? (laughs) And so he doesn't fit your antler point restrictions, right? right. I mean, it doesn't. Frank passed on a freaking 100-inch four-point in the UP. is 20-inch four-point. Oh, yeah. And Absolutely. it didn't meet the antler point restrictions, but it was well over three years old. Huge deer, too. It's so just a huge deer. It, it's, it's, it's an impossible question to answer, you know. It, as far as I want to harvest, all I want to do, like, honestly – is a big representative deer for the area because that's all you can do. Right. And age class, you know, you want to harvest a smart deer or or whatever, but I mean, I'm really at the point right now. I I can, (laughs) I've never killed a fucking eight point and I can't kill a damn deer to European mount. (laughs) Like I can, I, when we went down to Ohio the first time I was like, I just want to kill a deer to European mount. It's going to be great. You know? And then I killed the, you know, one fifty, ten, and they're like, you can't European mount that one. Uh, if you do, uh, you're I, not. I told him he can't. wasn't coming home. You know, <laughs> and then it's yeah. just either been you know small bucks, and then the one that I killed this year was like a hundred inches. You know, but I'm still but, getting it mounted. But yeah, that's represented. That's that's, a, the, that's a trophy. Great deer for, for that area for that area. There. So it, it, it's a hard thing to that answer. That is one of the that is one of the most posed questions. The reason why I ask that that is one of the most, I guess ask questions that a lot of people, quality deer managed people ask other people. And I'm still struggling with the answer on it. You know, you guys, you guys answered it like to a T exactly how I would answer it. Here's here's another aspect. I, I, like I said, I'm 66. I've hunted all my life. And I can't honestly tell you that, I got more satisfaction out of the biggest buck that I've shot or the smallest buck that I've shot. You know what I'm saying? I I feel I I feel that that being a hunter, you know, and and knowing what I know and and how I go about it 
and then the satisfaction of of when it comes together it doesn't really matter to me whether it's a 150 inch deer or or a, you know right. an 80 inch deer so like well this my season this year so i like i said i was focusing more on trying to find you know some spots for my son and i to hunt together and plus i was doing filming and so i passed up you know those small bucks i got you know the three point come in and literally walked right down to the bottom of my stand where i just took a piss you know and then when we're up north i had a nice six point come through 20 yards stop in my shooting lane get downwind check a scrape and then i had a mature buck one opportunity at a good mature buck came into 17 yards and he was coming in straight out of the west the wind was out of the north I was behind some uh, cedar boughs, so he couldn't see me, but he got to the point where he was in 17 yards, and he knew something was up, oh, yeah. and he just stopped, turned, and just walked straight back the way he came from, and that to me was like, you know, that was my opportunity for sure, but that, I mean, I loved watching that six point, you know, and the three point, and there was other small bucks, spikes, and, you know, and the does. For me, and I had the discussion with my son, I'm like, that, to me, you know, I love hunting. And I, I yep. want to, I like killing, I'd like to kill a mature buck. I have, it's not more enjoyment. I mean, I I have a ton of enjoyment just watching the small bucks. I know I could have killed those, and then my season would have been done. Not only that, I knew that there was some smaller bucks that were, or they weren't quite as mature, but they were definitely uh, up there where we're hunting is a three pointer better on one mm-hmm. side for your for any buck, first tag or second tag. So that's the QDMA area. So I knew that there was some in the area that Jet could actually get a shot at. So I look at it as I've passed. I mean, in the past few years, how many bucks I have passed, and it's for personal preference. Right. I mean, I just I could have shot multiple six pointers and you know i just i enjoy sitting in the stand i don't even grab my bow when i see a smaller buck come in i I don't even pick my bow up you know the buck i shot this year unfortunately i didn't shoot with my bow i wish i would have but i don't i have no regrets i mean i got a you know trophy on the wall i'm proud of it but if i would have harvested that with a bow i would have been probably 10 times more excited you know just because of the the challenge of bow hunting. That's why I enjoy bow hunting so much. But it's one of those things that I'm getting to the point right now of how many quality deer I see. And, you know, I'm going out late season. Our late season runs till the end of January. Um, we already have deer shedding antlers in the area and we barely have any snow on the ground. It's been a pretty easy winter so far, but you know, if I have an opportunity at a smaller buck, you know, a six pointer or something, I might take it. It's just one of those things that I think I passed so many deer that I'm getting frustrated now with bow hunting that I might, I might do it. I don't know yet. It's just, it's all up to the, it's your personal preference. Like I, honestly like when i seen them smaller bucks coming in i knew i wasn't going to shoot them i was trying to get them on film but i was just as excited as i was if i were going to you know grab my bow and shoot them you know it was like just you know the interaction between 
watching a younger deer like that. You know, like that six point, he came in, like I said, he got down, down. My wind was blowing right down to him. And he's sitting there and he put his note, he was checking a scrape. And uh, then all of a sudden, that was in the morning. And then that evening I had the mature buck come in and the wind was like, like I said, it was, it was a perpendicular wind and he must've just got just enough where he was, he was, he knew something was up and he was like, nope. He just turned around. He didn't, he didn't blow. He didn't flag. He just turned around, went right back the same path. He came down because he knew he was safe where he came from. And so that's the difference between like a mature buck and a younger deer. And you know, those are the, you know, those are like learning experiences really. But so that's where some guys might, you know, that six point comes in, they get the shot. Hey, they're happy with it. But they didn't know that that mature buck was just right out, you know, 50, 50 yards deeper laying there. Right. And, you know, but if they're happy with that, that's, that's all your personal preference. You know, I had a great time just filming and, you know, just being out there, you know, our hunting season's pretty short. I mean, not short month wise, but for time wise for us. So, so if you, if you guys don't care, I, I'm going to just for, so people understand, um, the buck I harvested this year, it was the craziest scenario. Uh, you know, people always say, Oh, you got to get in there, you know, an hour before, you know, daylight and you got to stick it out, you know, sit in your stand until it's completely pitch black and don't move and, you got to sneak in and everything else. So my whole scenario was complete opposite of everything correct (laughs) when I harvested my buck this year. I literally was not intending to hunt that day. I just got a Spartan cell cam and I was more excited to get my cell cam out over a food plot. And I wasn't even worried about hunting that day. My wife's like, well, since you're going out there, just go sit for, a couple hours and go hunt. And I'm like, ah, you know, I'm going to be hanging a trail camera, you know, obviously the worst time right in the middle of hunting season, let's march out there and, you know, start hanging new trail cameras up. But I literally, I went out there, it was rushed. It was half ass. I was making tons of noise. I had to cross a Creek. It was half ass frozen. I fell through. I mean, I, I couldn't have, set up the scenario any worse and I'm like whatever I went to a box blind sat up in the box blind I'm playing on my phone I'm like I'm not going to see anything and this doe flew past me from behind me I mean on a full tilt not stopping nothing and I didn't know what was going on I was like well that's really weird like this thing was literally probably covered 150 yards of ground in less than three seconds. (laughs) I mean, I've never seen a deer run that fast. It it was, I had a look, like I picked my gun up. I looked through the scope. I'm like, well, that, yeah, that was a doe. (laughs) And then not even 10 seconds later, I heard just a really small grunt, just a burp. And I looked out to the right and I see the six pointer and he's literally 15 yards to my right and I'm just watching them and I'm like, Oh, okay. This little six pointer obviously is chasing that hot doe. So I'm looking at the six pointer. I don't know if you guys ever experienced a croaking grunt. 
but that was the so. first time. I mean, low. I mean, just it almost sounds like a roar. Oh yeah, and I know what he's talking about. It made the hair on my neck stand up, and that came from my left. And he was literally twenty yards to my left, and I didn't see him. I mean, I could have been just an average hunter and seen that six pointer and shot the six pointer and you know, it would have been it. But that's where I passed that six pointer knowing, ah, I'll give it a chance. You know, when I looked over my left and I, I seen the buck I harvested and he stepped out. That's where my adrenaline, I mean, I was shaking so bad, which <laughs> everybody would experience, but, I was literally in the sand for short of 45 minutes after hanging a trail camera, falling through a creek and making all types of noise, playing on my cell phone and no expectations. And I end up harvesting the biggest year of my life. Guy it's I used to hunt when with. When it's least expected. Guy I used to hunt with uh, years ago, I used to work with him too. And I'd ask him how he did, you know, well, I didn't go out, you know, I didn't do this. I did. I, I said, you know, in my line was always, well, you can't kill him from the couch, you know, <laughs> Yep. you can't, you know, and, and he was all, he always talked a good, a good hunt, you know, and everything, but he never went, you know what I mean? He, he was hunting the couch, you know, and I'm going, man, some people might kill him from the couch, but yeah, that's <laughs> well, that whole UP thing, thing again. Yeah. I, I want to add him to, I, I want to add him to say, tell him about the, the buck you killed this year and, once you got in your stand, what you saw out there. Yeah, so, I mean. <laughs> and what time you got in your stand. So, the, through this whole thing, is, you know, I said it on a couple of the other podcasts, but it's like, you know, watching the guys from the hunting public, like, they don't care what time they go out there. They walk past guys and all that stuff. And, you know, I always gave Frank yep. a hard time because that was the thing. It was like, you got to be out there an hour before. And Frank, eh, you know, when when I first started hunting with Frank, he was hardcore as they got. And then, you know, I've been fortunate that it's been a long time. So as the years go on, you know, he sleeps in a little bit longer. He takes longer to get ready. He, I mean, you waited for how long for us to give you a call because he was in here telling stories, drinking coffee, and bullshit. It's like, come on, Frank. Let's, we got deer to kill. We got shit to do. Um, so it, it, it always ends up that we're, we're in there at, at daylight or whatever. So, you know, it was, it was 45 minutes after daylight. And then I still had to get all my shit set up. I got up there. There's a fucking ladder stand 80 yards behind me. Maybe if that, and I was like, this is just so stupid where I'm a mile back in here. It's an hour after daylight, not going to see anything. I'm on public land. I've never, you know, I'm just on in here on a whim. And this day sucks already. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> just it no was, confidence it was, whatsoever. It was like I, you know, there's, it's not going to happen. And my, you know, it was, it was snowing, raining, and like my boots were like noisy on the stand that I was on. Like I couldn't even <laughs> like do anything without it creaking. And I was like, this is just stupid. Like I was like, I should just go sit in that ladder stand. Like I should just go over there. And then this, you know, that's. Uh, I heard some splashing and Spike comes out and he was like 40 yards away. I stood up and I grabbed my bow. Cause we, again, then this is one of those weird, like talking point type things, but 
you know, I already killed a six point in the UP and this would have been my second tag. So it's supposed to be four on one side, but we're in the CWD zone. So you're supposed to kill every single deer that crosses your path so as to not let the deer get killed by CWD. So it's, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but that's, that's the rules. So I was like, well, hell, you know, I just talked to, uh, you know, I walked out there with Frank's buddy and he had, he shot a, a really small deer in the UP and uh, he needed venison. So he's like, I'm shooting anything. You know, I don't have that many days to hunt. I need some more venison. And so I was like, yep. well, if he's going to shoot anything, like I'm going to shoot anything. So I picked up my bow and got it kind of figured out. And he w- he had walked just past me, you know, the wind was right. Everything was good. And got out my binoculars. I tried to can call him and I told John the story. And he's like, why are you can call him that spike? And I'm like, well, I was going to fucking shoot him. It's like, I, you know, I, you know, you know, you got to get a few under exactly. your belt. Like I'm going to, you know, shoot some no deer BS, here. Man. And, uh, you know, Frank's deal, bow hunters opportunists. And that might've been my one opportunity for the day. So I, that was it. So I got out my grunt call. I gave one little grunt. And then that deer was just gone. I didn't see him. So I'm just standing there and all of a sudden I seen tines and that, it was a nice buck. You know, I didn't, I, I said this before and like, if anybody has never heard us before, don't, you know, haven't heard this, don't, don't listen. But I don't look at the antlers (laughs) after I decide that I'm going to shoot him because my dad told a story, you know, his buddy saw the biggest buck of his life and put put the arrow right through his antlers and you know come to think of it my brother missed a booner out in south dakota last year and put it right through his antlers too yeah so i mean that is exactly i mean same scenario with me all i seen was tall tines and i did not focus on anything else but a good shot and i wasn't shaking until after he hit the ground all oh, this was and it, it's one of those things that you can't, I know it's hard in the moment and everything, but I, I try and teach myself that too. Whenever I see a buck is look at it, decide whether or not you're going to harvest it and focus on your shot and celebrate after, because I think a lot of people get so wound up, which it's hard to explain. Cause I mean, you get 160 inch deer in front of you in the bow in your hand. I don't know how I'm going to react, but I'm going to try and train my mind to not focus on how big he is. Just focus on the shot. Right. That's like Adam, when he shot that buck down in Ohio, I'm like, well, how big was it? He just held his hands up like Bullwinkle. Like, how many points? I don't know. I just knew it was a shooter, and I stopped looking at exactly. his horns. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, that that's the thing. And that deer came right on a string to me, and I – shot him but so i had already missed the deer up in the up and i got that was my mulligan i guess i don't know like you that know was, that was your hat, yeah. <laughs> you know where where you you get you get nervous or you know the, i wasn't i wasn't in like kill mode you know and then that right. evening i killed that six point my brothers had both killed deer so we all killed deer on the same day and that was what was more important about the hunt than the deer you know, the deer came in and he had enough points to meet the restrictions and he walked about 35 yards further and fell over dead. That was the that, one in the UP. That was the one in the UP. Yeah. And so that was, you know, confidence booster, like, you know, whatever, back into the, that 
that kill mode. And then this one walks in, come right over on a string, shot him at 14 yards. He fell over at 50, dead. And I just dumbfounded, just like you said, you know, like that was the last thing that I thought was going to happen there. Wearing thought, a stinky old hat. I didn't change. I was wearing this old ass hat that I, I mean, it just, it stinks. Like you can smell it from a mile away. I was going to say something about that. Yeah. He, I, when we <laughs> went and got Frank out of his street, he said, did you wear that hat? The first thing I said, literally, after I harvested my deer, the very first thing, and said it out loud in the box line, was, did that just really fucking happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I so, mean, for us, you know, we are not anything special. You know, we are not consistent. We're average people. Oh, yeah. Exactly. But, but, I mean, as far as hunters, like – you know, it's, I say it all the time. Like I'm the world's worst bow hunter. Like I've joked around that, but that's why I love it. That's what grab. That's why I'm gravitated towards bow hunting. Cause it, everything always goes wrong. So when stuff goes right you on that, <laughs> I might take that, that title. I'm going to, I'm going to make a trophy, a traveling trophy for world's worst bow hunter. I'm going to place it in my corner, in my studio, and I'm going to hold on to it until I shoot something bigger than you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. You make sure it has like mutant horns on it. Like Frank's I'll send you some, Oh yeah. Some, yeah, some I'll put, photos. I'll put like a set of spike, spike antlers on it. <laughs> but you know, it's just our passion for bow hunting and getting out there and, and, and doing it. And so all this talk about antler point restrictions and, and things like that is, is a great conversation. It's real healthy for, the herd right but for for deer hunters like this conversation and and getting out there and having that deer camp experience sharing that that beer and that high five with your buddy you know should trump could trump all of that you know and so it's like if if you're happy with what you killed then then own it you know so many times it's like the picture goes up on social media and it says it's not a monster but and it's like Right. Well, that that's Should've like passed it. Yeah. Well, if you're feeling down about it, then then why shoot it? Then yeah, it's, if you're proud, if you shot it, then obviously you you wanted to kill it. You're in in that moment. It was what was right. Then you you own it. I mean, don't don't feel down about it. I mean, just because it's not what it's not some 150 inch buck that this guy shout out on his farm. He's got a pet name, and you know, right the. Everyone's got their own. I don't name my deer. I don't get the naming of the deer. That's, I think it's funny. I think it's fun for people to do, but I can't sit there and name deer. Like, if I named him, I I would never see him again. and be like, (laughs) oh, hey, there goes George. He's over in, you know. I'll name mine goodbye. (laughs) See ya. I usually name mine dead. So, but, oh so, man! So well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, you, you guys like your mentality and everything is what I hope people strive to look after. That's why I'm so glad you guys have your podcast. I enjoy listening to it. The way you guys are just normal guys like me, not you know the juries or people with tons of land. Nope. And have the capability and, you know, the sponsors and everything else to 
do everything. Like it takes time. It takes money, family, and just being an everyday bow hunter. I respect the shit out of you guys. Well, I really appreciate that. And I think people like, you know, they, they, they get so down because they see that type of shit. And it's like, well, I can't do that. I can't measure up. And it's like, Hey man, we're over here having a ball, killing five points and mutants. And, you know, occasionally we get a good one and, you know, we're getting better every year, but this is what it's about. It's not about. So I think, I mean, we kind of touched on this when we talked to the guy down at ATA last year and like with the whole antler point restriction and stuff, I think, you know, it comes down to the two tags, really. I mean, like in Ohio, you don't have an antler point restriction. I mean, obviously, they have a different genetics, whatever. The, right. the seasons are different. But they get one buck. So they kill one buck. They're going to either they're going to shoot their spike horn and be happy with it, or they're going to shoot a, you know, a 140-inch buck, whatever. But they right. got their one buck. Like here in Michigan, it's like, what I was saying is you, you go out there and you have your, your open tag and you shoot a three point and then, so you're, you got this little buck, young, young buck, and then you go out and hunt for your mature buck basically. Mm-hmm. So you already took one buck out of the population right? and you might've been a year and a half, maybe even a two and a half year old buck. It, it's just, it makes it tough for the buck population. You know, how many, how many years we hunted in Ohio? Six years? I, I did six, five. I've been six, I think. Some of the some of the biggest bucks I've ever seen in my life, in my lifetime, have have been seen down there. You know, when we were hunting down there, and, and it's all basically public land. Yep. And and I just I feel that if Michigan went to one tag, which I know it's going to be tough, but I I think they shoot one buck. You know, I mean one buck, and and you know you guys. Uh, in Wisconsin, uh, you know, antler point restriction might be, you know, what we're going to see here. You know, I'm still trying to trying to grasp what's what you know what I'm seeing in the woods, but I mean, I'm seeing a lot of small bucks. You know, but that's a that's better than no I bucks. like the right. one tag aspect. All I want, and I'm sure you guys want the same exact thing. And a lot of people out there can argue. I you know I'll shoot what I want. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Maybe the one tag system is the way to go because. You know, people are greedy. Right, people exactly. are going to, you know, I get four, like I said, I get four doe tags. That doesn't mean I'm going to harvest four deer. Right, right. It, it's one of those things where you pick and choose. I look at it as I want to be able to look at Wisconsin like I look at Kansas, Ohio, yeah. all these other states that everybody wants to go hunt. You know, this is... Wisconsin can make a lot of money. Michigan can make a lot of money and put it all back into our public lands and everything else to, you know, some of the public lands around here, they actually put food plots in on public land. The DNR pays for it. They put food plots in, they try and grow deer. They try and, you know, do a healthy herd, which is great. But I want to look at Wisconsin. Like I look at Ohio. Yeah. That's, that's like my goal. Like I just, I want to be able to represent Wisconsin in a way that is like, yeah, we have, we have the best hunting state. Well, probably the easiest way to do that is move to Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm no. going to get out there. I'm going to hunt with you guys. You know, uh, was, you know, back to that tube tag. I mean, 
when I was earlier in the podcast, I talked about I watched that the check-in station. There was like multiple people on there just in that short little clip that had two bucks in their truck, a little one and a big one. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it, you go out with a gun for one day, and that's when all you know what it. I'm not sure what this is the the numbers are, but it's got to be a pretty high percentage, probably eighty percent of all the deer killed on opening day. You know these bucks right. of gun season. A lot of these guys are just they're out enjoying the camp, the the whole experience and stuff. But they go out and then they they kill two bucks in one sit, you know, where they'd be just fine if they had one. You know, I mean, they right. they shoot two because they can. Right. Yep. Yep. And so that right there just takes out a ton of bucks out of the population. Right. So well, and, and two, like yep. say, I I would like to see a registration system in Michigan, like like Ohio has or or uh, uh, Wisconsin. You know, where you it's mandatory that you you know. That call you either in. call it in or or go to a website and register it, you know, or whatever, you know. Uh, I'd really truly like to see that happen, and I'd like to see it drop to one buck too. Get actual get actual numbers, like it, real yeah, numbers, yeah, not yeah. estimates. And like I say, in, in Ohio, sure, maybe maybe all the guys aren't aren't calling them in. You know what I mean? There's there's probably a certain percentage that don't. You know, and I I know some local guys down there that that maybe don't. You know. But, but the system, obviously, it's working. I mean, the, yeah, it's it's know. obvious that the, the out of state hunters are doing their 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 job. You know what I mean? We're you know we're registering our deer. You know, look at other states and what other the states that are doing it right. I I tell like what I would like to say to our Department of Natural Resources is, look at Iowa, look at Ohio. I I can't hit on it enough. Look at what they're doing. Why can't we do what they're doing? Because it is working. Exactly. And they are charging. Yeah. It costs a lot of money to draw an Iowa tag with oh, the preference that, points yeah, and everything else. Yeah. You take that money, you put it right back in. Wisconsin could be one of the best hunting states. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Ohio, the first year we went down, we stayed in a state park down there. Mm-hmm. And there were 60 cabins. And there, it was full. There was no, I mean... As people were like the day we showed up, the guys were packing up and leaving. They were bow hunters. We were, you know, we were coming in, in and sixty cabins and not one plate. I mean, they're all from out of state, you know. So all those guys are down there hunting all that public land and bringing the money into the state. Bringing the, not only tag wise but yep. revenue right. I mean, for all the all the stuff you the do stores and everything around there. And I actually. I was surprised. Last year, I ran into a guy from Ohio up here in Michigan, and I'm like, what the hell are you doing up here, hunting? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, why would you come, why would you leave Ohio to come up here? He's like, well, I'm visiting family. I'm like, oh, that explains it, because I sure the hell wouldn't be driving all the way up here. <laughs> yeah, people look at Michigan like, how many people do you meet that go, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm from Kansas, or I'm from Iowa, and <laughs> Really looking forward to my Michigan or Wisconsin oh, trip. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, we talked to Todd from uh, what, uh, what's his? White Knuckle Productions. White Knuckle Productions. He's from, you know, just south of here and grew up yep. in Michigan. Now he's in Iowa. And we were talking like, well, they still have family here. I'm like, well, do you come back and hunt? And he's like, oh, no, <laughs> I don't hunt <laughs> Michigan anymore. I come back. He's like, I, I fish. <laughs> he goes, That's but like I, don't I was hunt. talking to Mark Martin. You know, Mark Martin's a, uh, on the walleye uh, for walleye tour, yeah, walleye tours and stuff. He's he's a 
he started here in Michigan. And I ran into him a while back in the store, and I hadn't seen him in years. And I was talking to him, and he said, I'm going to Kansas or tonight. You know, and I'm going, oh, you're going fishing out there, you know? <laughs> no, I'm going hunting, he goes. You know, and I goes, oh, I didn't realize, it. you know, he was at it and into hunting, you know. And he shows me a picture of 35 shoulder mounts in this room. <laughs> and he says, yeah, I got a place in Kansas, he says. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's it's state by state. You know, everybody, everybody has their different preferences. You know, I'm not out here to piss people off, but I am here to open up a discussion that people want to turn away from. And I think the discussion needs to be had and it's always good to have discussions. Well, and I, and I think too, you can always improve on, on what you have, you know, if you, if you get enough people involved, you know, uh, truly believe that, you know, you can make the quality of your, your hunting better, you know? Absolutely. Well, you know, we, really appreciate you coming on and i mean you're not that far yeah. from from where we're at in, in the up so you can certainly head on up there and and share camp with us my god it's 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 a fun time I'm, I'm, the deer are i do most guys, of the i do most of the cooking too so yeah, these that's why the guys, guys really take me you guys are not far at all your camp up there is not far and i have family in the area and you know it's i've never hunted Michigan and you know I think I think I'm open open to hunting with you guys <laughs> well awesome that you know you got an open invite and we'll definitely uh, be in touch where can everybody follow along with what you're doing so right now we're we're actually just building our website um, we had it up and then we're revamping stuff I just kind of got a group of guys together locally here that are on the podcast now at three other guys and we're going to be doing a little bit of video production on the podcast so we're going to start out on the youtube platform and then grow from there but we're on all social media platforms facebook instagram twitter uh pretty heavy on instagram and trying to grow that we're on you can download the podcast basically anywhere you can download a podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. And yeah, we're, we're going to be hitting, unfortunately, APA is not going to happen this year with our schedules and we're yet to make it down there, but hopefully next year I keep saying it, but it's one of the things we got to get to. And, but locally, a lot of shows around here, the Wisconsin deer classic, the green Bay hunting show, which is, pretty huge we're going to be in attendance there uh deer fest we attend every year uh i'd like to get down to the iowa deer classic i heard that's a pretty awesome show to go to but yeah anywhere i mean just look at the release podcast on facebook or whatever give us a like um you know you guys like i said we've been we've been listening to you guys following you guys for a while and just the the passion of what you guys have is equally shared with what we're doing. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on. I think that's kind of all we got for, for today. So, yeah. Long winded. Sorry. This Uh, one dragged on quite a while, but it's perfect. That's what what we do here. (laughs) I appreciate it. 
All right, so take it easy, guys. Yep. Sit down. Sit down.